Good morning, friends and family. This is Elizabeth Smith with episode number eight of Alcoholism, Bipolar Disorder, and the Courage to Change. Today's episode is called Bipolar Disorder, My Suicide Survival Story. So this one's really hard for me to talk about. Um, I um, I guess this is the first time we're actually talking about my bipolar disorder, and so let me start with that. Um, when I was a kid, I knew I was really strange. I had I was very quiet and shy, and yet I um, at home I was very comfortable and. I loved music and I would get so excited about music that I would engage in this behavior of bouncing. Like I would listen to music as a kid, a little kid, and I'd put my hands underneath my butt and I'd sit and listen to music and bounce up and down in a chair. Just bounce forever and ever. It was I was like Tigger. And um when I would um, listen to music as a, a kid and as a teenager in my room, I would go to my room a lot and um, I would bounce on my bed. I would headbang um, into my pillow and bounce. And I, it was just weird. I mean, really weird. I, I probably... I don't know what I was, ADD, ADHD, um, and my mom and dad um, certainly knew about my bouncing and my hand shaking. I would, when I would get excited, I would shake my hands and bounce up and down, and I was just so excited at home. Now at school, I was quiet and shy, and you'd never know I existed, um, and so looking back on all my bouncing, like I really thought I'd never get married because of my bouncing. Um, it finally ended when I went to college. I mean, literally, I bounced my way through my home life as a kid um, because we kind of grew up in this Catholic home where kids were to be, you know, seen but not heard, really. And so I isolated a lot. I spent a lot of time alone. And um, I'm shocked that my mom and dad didn't have me on medication and take me to the doctor to find out what was going on with all my bouncing. But they didn't. They just sort of lived with me. And I remember (laughs) my papa, who was my mom's dad, we called him Papa, used to get so mad at me and used to, you know, they called me Lisa when I was a kid and he'd say, Lisa, stop that bouncing. And I would be so shocked and embarrassed because I love my papa and Lo, Lo was my grandma. So papa and Lo were a huge part of our lives. And, um, you know, they knew about my bouncing because we spent tons of time with them. So as a kid, I knew I was strange and a little different. And um, so my bouncing ended when I went to college, when I had to kind of grow up and couldn't bounce in front of my roommates because that would have been weird. Um, but it, it, 
it definitely lasted my whole childhood. And it was very strange because it really took over my life. But um, I don't know if that was bipolar disorder. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, it really doesn't matter. So fast forward now, and I am, well, let's see, I'm about 42 years old, and I'm well into my family life. I'm married to Mike. I have two beautiful children, Brody and Clara. We have our German Shepherd dog, Telly, and um, I'm working full-time, and at the time, I um, had gotten my master's degree from Michigan State University, and I wound up with an awesome job as the child welfare licensing consultant for the whole Upper Peninsula of Michigan and Northern Wisconsin. And my supervisor was a woman by the name of Deborah Clark, a brilliant woman, like amazingly smart and brilliant. And God, I learned so much from Deborah. And so I'm the child welfare licensing consultant for the whole UP. And my job was to um, conduct um, basically um, on-site visits for all the child welfare agencies in the UP in northern Wisconsin, all of the child placing agencies, meaning foster care um, programs in the whole UP in northern Wisconsin, and all of the juvenile detention facilities um, and camps too. So this is a huge job. Like, this is huge. And um, I'm on fire. Like, I love my job. And I also did special investigations where if there was a complaint um, or a situation that arose at one of these facilities, I would have to go and be like private eye Liz and investigate and interview staff members and kids and find out what was going on and then um, you know, basically um, determine my findings and write a report. And all of these reports were online because um, it's a state agency. And so everything that I did in my job was put out um, in a report um, online. So this is a huge responsibility. This is huge. And I'm pretty manic. I'm, I'm really manic because I loved my job and I would barely sleep at night because I was constantly thinking of what was going on in my work world. And I'm drinking a lot at the time too. As you can imagine, my God, this job like sent me into the depths of drinking. So it's, um, so I, this is now 2008, 2009, and I am drinking so much at night and needing more and more and more. And I know I'm an alcoholic, and I know I can't deal with that, and I can't deal with this job because it was incredibly stressful. Like, my stress level was out of control. 
and um, I'm on the road traveling all over the UP. Um, I'm staying in motels and hotels um, when I traveled to the far reaches of the UP. I mean, the UP is huge, and so is northern Wisconsin, and so I'm traveling a lot. I'm not hardly seeing my husband or my kids that much. Um, this job was, um, you know, kind of took over. I made great money. I mean, the, the money and the benefits were amazing. So during this time, I'm pretty manic, but I'm also really depressed. And knowing that I'm an alcoholic, but at that time, I didn't want to seek treatment or seek help. I was getting sicker and sicker. And um, my behaviors were getting sicker and sicker. And I started researching how to commit suicide. But being me, I wanted to die peacefully and quietly. And um, I remember, this is sick, but being at work and I would, during my lunch hour, I would literally go on the web and start researching ways to die. And it's shocking on the internet what you can find. I mean, it's sad and I, I haven't researched it in a long time, um, but I really hope that the things that I found back in 2008, 2009 aren't things that folks can look up anymore. You know, I hope there's blockers on those things, but so I looked into different ways to die peacefully and how I could do this, and I um, I decided against, you know, gunfire, because I don't own a gun, and I can't, I don't know how to shoot a gun, and that would be, you know, really fatal, and I didn't want to put my kids through that. I just wanted to die peacefully and painlessly, um, and so I, in 2009, I decide I'm going to die. I'm going to commit suicide. Um, I was done with this huge special investigation that I had just done at work and I I was exhausted and I'm alcoholic, I'm drinking a ton and I decide one weekend on a Friday night that I am gonna die. Um, my daughter is nine years old at the time, my son is um, 18 years old at the time, and I um, just want to die from my drinking. I didn't, I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew I was done drinking. I knew I just wanted to die. And I decided to drink antifreeze. And, um, and so one Friday night, um, when my children were out of the home and away um, at friends' homes spending the night, I um, decided to drink antifreeze. And it's a disgusting taste. It's a very sweet taste. And I had researched that, you know, you die, you die quickly. Well, that didn't happen. I, um, 
I drank the antifreeze and I remember getting really dizzy. And I remember it, it, it almost was like um, being drunk and I passed out. And um, to be honest with you, I don't remember anything after that. I just know that what happened was on Saturday morning, this is in April of 2009, um, I woke up in a hospital at Marquette General Hospital. And when I woke up, I was pissed because I'm alive. And I later that week found out that I was found by my neighbor, Matt, who called 911 and um, I had urinated my bed. I was in a coma and um, I was taken by ambulance to Marquette General Hospital where they basically um, resuscitated me, but I was ended up in a coma for five days. And um, when I woke up from that coma, um, I was had tubes and IVs all over. And um, I was put on dialysis for another few days, and I had to go through dialysis. And I remember my husband being at the hospital, and my mom, Judy, came from Grand Rapids, and my brother came from Grand Rapids, John, and my sister and her kids, Kate, as her name, came from Grand Rapids to be with me. And I'm in the hospital, and now I'm alive. And um, I really didn't have any words to explain what happened. Um, I didn't have words to tell my family why I wanted to die. I just knew I wanted to die. And a social worker met with me in the hospital, and after my... I was medically cleared from my suicide attempt. I ended up um, at Marquette General Psych Unit for another week. And there I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And um, gosh, that was really hard too because here I am, I have my master's in social work, the last thing on my plate right now was to want to be alive and then be an alcoholic and then be diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder. And um, I was placed on Geodon. And also, I just don't remember anything about this psych stay, to be honest. I was on Geodon and I was a complete zombie like I don't remember anything I remember I could barely walk I like shuffled along um I was set up with a psychiatrist Dr. Cameron and I was set up with a therapist Susan DeGroote and um I 
I really don't remember much. I remember my husband brought me home. It was Easter Sunday, and I was so skinny. I had lost so much weight. I probably weighed about 90 pounds. And um, he had to buy me some clothes because I was so skinny I couldn't fit into anything. Um, and um, I just remember getting home and my mom stayed with me for a week. And um, I just was a zombie on this geodon. And finally my... <coughs> Excuse me. Like I couldn't even do like basic tasks like my mom was like you know during the day wanting me to do some things you know even just simple things my house was always a clean house I always was a good housekeeper and so one day you know she was like let's go through your plastic containers and you know get rid of the ones that don't have lids and I remember I couldn't even function to do that like that was like the biggest effort in the world. I couldn't like put it together. I couldn't even like get the plastic containers to fit. I couldn't figure that out. And um, my mom was like, this medication you're on is making you into a zombie. And she ended up calling my psychiatrist and saying like, Liz isn't Liz, like this, drug is like way too powerful like we got to try something different and um so I went back to the psychiatrist and my mom was with me and he put me on something different and I don't recall what it was I have been on so many um bipolar medications I I literally that was so long ago I can't remember what they put me on but I do remember that um, it 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 was way better than the geodon. Um, I could function and um, I could function again. So um, I, you know, I'm a survivor of suicide, and I'm grateful for that today. You know. Um, I didn't talk about it with my children until they were much older. Um, you know, they didn't know what was going on except for mom went to the hospital and mom almost died. And I hardly talked about it with my husband. You know, what do you say? You just want to die. What do you say to a person you've been married to for, you know, um, you know, 15 years. I just didn't want to live anymore. Um, I just know it was a really hard time for me. Um, I ended up in therapy. Um, that was the beginning of my bipolar um, therapy and psychiatry. And today I'm pretty religious about taking my medication. I treat my bipolar disorder like it's diabetes or um, a heart condition because it is a condition and I struggle with bipolar uh, mania and depression and I've been hospitalized five times for either mania or depression 
And at a later podcast, I'll share some of those hospitalizations with you and um, my journey through my bipolar disorder. Um, I'm grateful to be alive today. Grateful to have my children in my life. Um, you know, I have my daughter coming for a visit this weekend. Um, she's flying in from East Lansing. She goes to Michigan State University where she's a sophomore and she's flying into Green Bay this Friday. I can't wait to see her. My son Brody may be coming down too to visit as well. Um, I'm grateful to be alive today. I'm grateful to be sober today. Um, thank you for listening this morning. Um, this is a hard topic. Suicide is a huge topic. And um, we'll talk more about it. Um, I would highly recommend that if you all get a chance to see this movie, it's called Suicide, The Ripple Effect. And I just went to the premiere of it here in Marinette. And um, it's the story of a suicide survivor and his journey and how he has become a motivational speaker about suicide prevention. And we've got to talk about, about our feelings. We've got to share our feelings. We've got to reach out and be able to ask for help. Um, so with that, I will pass, and I hope you all have a great morning. I'm glad to be alive today. Thank you for listening. Over and out.